Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Hello everyone. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, this week is a very important week in our household because our little girl, our little Evie, turns three. Yeah, and um, it's very exciting. She knows it's her birthday this week, so she's reminding us kind of every moment of the day. Um, but yeah, we're really excited for that, and I'm pumped for the three, the change from two to three, because I know that when you go from two to three, the terrible twos end. Um, so to the minute. So 9.17 on Friday morning, she will stop misbehaving forever. Uh, so that will be a very exciting time. Uh, but that's, that's right, yeah? That's what you've all told me. Right, okay, good. Whew. I was getting worried there for a minute. All right, so uh, she's turning three. Uh, it's been really amazing seeing the just the crazy things she now does compared to, say, when she was two um, uh, or when she was turning two. And just the, yeah, the growth and development in her and just the, the funny things she does, she really cracks me up. Uh, one of the things that she does that probably... Uh, hasn't always been a positive recently that something she's grown into is being able to just open any door of the house unfortunately our house has no internal locks uh, no doors have any locks and I know that's probably like safe or something but give me locks any day of the week I'll tell you um, because the the door that she enjoys opening the most um, particularly when Kirsty isn't home is the toilet door particularly when I'm there and uh, just recently, uh, it doesn't matter how quietly I slip away. It doesn't matter how privately I try. It, I can put the TV on. I can give her all the toys. It doesn't matter what happens there. Uh, she will find me. And uh, the other day, I'm having private time. <laughs> and all of a sudden, door flings wide. Hi, Daddy. Evie, go away. No, Daddy. I'm like, Evie, we've talked about this so many times now we've talked about it time and time again you don't bother mummy and daddy during this time I'm trying to be careful with how I describe things but you don't bother mummy and daddy during these times no daddy I come here I'm like no you do not come here this is my time you will leave and I can't grab the door you know you will go now no daddy no I'm like yes you will go now And then the tears start. No, Daddy, I can't go. I'm like, you have to go. And then she's so upset that it gets worse. Daddy, cuddle. <laughs> what? <laughs> cuddle, Daddy, please cuddle. I'm not giving you a flipping cuddle. <laughs> Daddy, cuddle now. And launches herself upon me. Anyway, this is all to say that, uh, as I've since found out, the greater access we give kids in the home, even, look, I haven't given her that access. She's kind of taken it by brute two-year-old force. Uh, the greater their impact in the house. Sometimes that impact is really good and helpful, and other times it is, as um, I've just shared, not so helpful at all. Uh, I do kind of wish, we're talking about health apps for life, I wish there was an app where it kind of, I could just, it would tell me who's coming and I could just 
go access denied when they try and open a door because if she came to that toilet door denied 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 that would just be so fun and she could bang down that door and everything I wouldn't mind some smart homes probably already have that but ours is not a smart home so we're continuing this relationship series today health apps for life and I'm talking about godly mentors and and why I bring up this this idea of the access that Evie has in our home too much access if you ask me um, is because mentoring is really about who we choose to give access to our lives to and to what extent and conversely who gives us access to theirs it's not just about um, us giving access to people but people giving us access to and what kind of impact that brings and the result that it brings in our lives because just like kids level of access to your home maybe that's been something that's happened in the past for you particularly for those who are 50 plus years married hopefully you're not able to remember those times you've suppressed them um, but just like that level of access that those toddlers might have to your house uh, we need to be mindful of people's access to our lives as well because people have influence over us and we have influence on them too most of us think of mentor and we think of a personal rabbi a personal coach some someone like this definition from the Cambridge dictionary that says a person who gives a younger or less experienced person help and advice over a period of time that's kind of what jumps into my head when I think about a mentor this is the most recognizable mentoring in the world and I will cover that but it's not actually the only mentoring that I see in scripture I see two others in particular uh, that I want to have a chat about today and I actually think that that personal rabbi that one-to-one style mentoring is probably the one that um, is maybe least common in terms of for, for the average person who's uh, what you're going to experience in regards to mentoring most people perhaps won't experience the one-on-one faith mentoring whereas the other two I believe all of us do or should and I believe it's the community of the church if we practice these three types of mentoring biblically that we see transformation and life brought to and through us and the communities that we belong to as well I really feel like these types of mentoring when we engage with them healthily when we engage with them biblically we see families friendships workplaces universities schools all kinds of places and spaces benefit when we practice these these types of mentoring biblically and really engage with them I've called this message access all areas because the main difference between the three types of mentorship uh, that I'm talking about is they require different access to us and from us so the first type and most important type is the mentorship that we experience in our relationship with Jesus for the Christian mentorship type one mentored by Jesus for the Christian the, the mentorship of Jesus must be above all other types of influence and mentorships in our life because not only does this mentorship inform every other mentorship relationship we might have but it goes right to the heart of what it means to be a Christian I'm really glad we had communion this morning because that kind of outlined it but I want to expand a little more um, on that is that Isaiah 53 6 we read all of us like sheep have strayed away we have left God's path to follow our own and that is really talking about in essence rebellion each and every single one of us at some point or another has gone our own way rather than following God's perfection or perfect plan or whatever language you want to put around that every single one of us every single one of us has made mistakes every single one of us has done something other than perhaps what God would have uh, liked or planned out or what we know to be good right and true and we do that from a very young age a very young age and that rebellion 
essentially is what we refer to as sin. It is the ways in which we've kind of rejected God's way and gone our own. And this leads to an imperfection because God is perfect. Anything, any spot or blemish in perfection means it's no longer perfect. We aren't perfect. We like to kind of say that as human beings. We kind of use it as a, almost like a title. Oh, nobody's perfect. Well, yeah, that means it is very difficult then to relate to and commune with a perfect God. Him and his perfection and us in our imperfection. And therefore we are sinners. We are sinners who are kind of doomed to rebellion, condemned to rebellion and to an eternal separation from God, which in its final form we call hell. That is not only that dysfunctional relationship that we experience as, as rebelled human beings here on this earth between us and God, uh, the imperfect us and a perfect God, but also the ongoing long-term eternal format of that, which is hell, that eternal separation from God and his presence and his goodness in our lives because we have rebelled and rejected him. We have left God's path to follow our own. That is the bad news. But someone once said to me, the, the good news is only as good as the bad news is bad. And so the second half of this verse tells us the awesome news, um, which is that yet the Lord laid on him, that is Jesus, the sins of us all. The rebellion that we have engaged with over the course of our lives and, and, and that we were kind of condemned to do forever if there wasn't a change. God, when he sent Jesus to earth, Jesus took to the cross and that punishment of that sin was laid upon him instead of us. As Sally said, he took our place. He took our punishment punishment the rebellion that we had engaged with he took God's wrath and anger upon him on the cross for that he was punished in our place he was substituted in our place that we might be acquitted that we might be free and when we accept what Jesus did on the cross that day for us when we accept that he freely took upon himself our sin that he freely took upon himself our condemnation, all our rebellion, all our imperfection, all of that stuff. When we accept that, we are essentially accepting the gift of salvation. That is, we, we are accepting that we are no longer a lost sheep. We no longer want to be that lost sheep that rebels, but we want to accept the fact that Jesus died for us, that he was perfect because we couldn't be and weren't. And he died for us that we might have that freedom in him. When we accept that gift that Jesus uh, gave us on the cross, that gift of salvation, that gift of eternal life. We accept that we are no longer a sinner anymore. We are no longer a lost sheep that has strayed away and rebelled anymore. Instead, we have been brought back into the fold. We've been brought back into the family of faith, to the community of believers. And instead of being labeled as a sinner or, or, or dirty or unclean or anything like that, we get a new identity. In fact, we get many new identities, all of them good. Uh, for example, we get called righteous, Romans 3.22. When we accept that, that gift of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, we are called righteous. And I don't know if you've ever had a relationship where there's been an issue between you and another person. Probably every single one of us has been in that situation before. And you might describe that as having beef with someone. Have you ever had beef with someone before? Not the meal. You've had beef. You've had an issue. Well, being righteous means having right standing. And that means that before God, there is no beef anymore. You can eat beef, but you don't have an issue with God anymore because Jesus has taken the beef away, right? Jesus loves beef. It's very good. It's a terrible joke. I'm just really trying to push the beef joke and it's just going nowhere at the moment. So I'm going to move on from that one. I didn't write that in, but I was like, let's see where this goes. Tanked. That's all right. You know, you just do what you can. Um, 
but there, there is no issues between us and God. When we have righteousness that's been given to us by Jesus because it's his perfection that he's traded for our sinfulness and therefore we get his perfection instead of our sinfulness as a return, we are known as righteous, which means we have good and right standing with God again. That means I can come before the living God, the perfect living God, and, and know that there is nothing between me and him. There is no issue. There is no fault because Jesus has taken it all and I am now righteous. We are also now friends of Jesus. We are not just, it's not just like, hey, you've had your sin forgiven and now we kind of just move on. No, you're now in relational proximity to Jesus. You're, you're close with him. There is a desire. There is a, when you're friends with someone, there is a desire to know one another. There is a desire to continue to know one another. And you are his friend. You're not enemies of Jesus. You are friends of Jesus. You are also children of God, John 1.12 tells us. You've been brought in and adopted into the family of faith, adopted into God's family. Adoption requires work, it's effort, choice, and that is what God has done with you. He's gone, no, I want you in my family. I choose you to be a part of this. And because we are his children, we are also co-heirs with Jesus, co-heirs with Christ. Pete mentioned this before. We, we are co-heirs and we look forward to the inheritance that has been blessed upon us from God uh, that we receive through Jesus, which is eternal life. And all the good, rich blessings, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, that God has for us because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And it's with these newfound identities in Jesus that God calls us to a transformed life. It's not a matter of just, okay, you've had your sin forgiven. All that stuff is, is gone. You've got right standing and, and now you just go about your, your daily life as though nothing ever happened. No, God now calls us to something befitting people that have our new titles, befitting of people that have our new identity. He calls us to a transformed life. 1 John 2.6 says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Imitate God. That's funny. Imitate God. Have you tried to imitate someone before? I'm trying to imitate Josh today. And there's still little flaws and faults in how I might do that. I didn't actually intentionally do that. but it... Oh, really? Oh, oh, thank you. Uh, but but if I try, even if I try and imitate someone to the absolute best of my ability, I'm still going to get it wrong, right? And here the Bible tells us, imitate God. Perfect, perfection, perfect God. You have to imitate him as children of God. That is your job. How do we do that? How as people can we possibly be expected to imitate the perfect God who created all things? Well, it's only possible through that transformation process. It's only possible through the ongoing mentorship of Jesus. It is only possible by his influence in our lives. We cannot, in our human state, in our sinful nature, we cannot imitate a perfect God. We cannot live a life as Jesus did. We need Jesus' influence in us and through us in our lives for that to ever be possible. And that is only uh, available to us and, and that change and transformation will only happen by giving Jesus access all areas to our lives. The areas that we give access uh, to Jesus to in our lives will correspond with the, the areas that actually uh, we see transformation occur. How does Jesus mentor us? Well, broadly... Uh, I've put through word and spirit. And what I mean by this uh, in a practical sense is things like us engaging, as we engage with the Bible, as we engage with communing with God. We had communion this morning where we commune together and celebrate Jesus' life. Well, we can commune with God wherever. 
We can be with him wherever. We can be with Jesus. We can communicate with Jesus wherever. And a practical way of doing that, for example, is through prayer. And I don't mean prayer where you have to get down on your knees and, and, and say some religious uh, script or anything like that. I mean prayer in the sense that Jesus is always with you and you can always talk to him. Happy, sad, angry, frustrated. You look at the Psalms uh, in the Bible. Most of them are just the psalmists having a whinge about their lives. Seriously, it's really encouraging to read that. <laughs> They're just going, God, why? Why are you doing this? Why are you not doing that? Blah, blah, blah. And of course, you don't want to stay stuck in that place. But at the same time, it's really beautiful to know that what, wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, however we're feeling, we can go to Jesus and we can communicate with him and it's all good. It's okay. We have that relationship there. <clears throat> it's really important that we engage in those really core spiritual dis disciplines of, of getting into the word and getting into prayer because if we don't know Jesus and we don't get to know him and we don't know what he did through reading his word, then it's hard to be like him. It's hard to know how we're meant to live out this Christian life and the areas where we maybe don't get it right and then need to ask for his grace that we've already got. Um, it's hard to know what to do unless we are communing with him, unless we're getting into his word. And the awesome thing is that as we do these things, as we engage in these disciplines, as we get into his word and as we uh, get into... I guess, developing that relationship with him through communication, uh, that the Spirit supernaturally works within each of us to, to bring out more Christ-like colors in our life. Uh, Philippians 2.13, Paul says it this way, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It is God who actually gives you the desire to obey him. It is God who gives you the, the uh, desire and the ability to outwork a Christ life that is already within you when you accepted Jesus. It is God who does that. Us reading the Bible and praying might not feel like it's doing, like it, it doesn't give us any like, ooh, feelings of like, ooh, I'm extra spiritual and now I feel like I'm Jesus today. It's not like that. It's a subtle incremental growth and change that takes place from the inside out as we engage under the mentorship of Jesus. And of course, uh, I said this a number of weeks ago, when I, I think when I last preached, but 10 minutes with Jesus per day in engaging in the word, engaging in prayer can be life-changing and transformational. So mentorship one is being mentored by Jesus. Mentorship type, type two, really struggling with words today. Mentorship type two uh, is being mentored by one. And this is the type of mentorship that we uh, probably think, as I said, most of when we think of mentors in general recognized or official mentoring and specifically I'm talking about spiritual uh, there is mentoring uh, that occurs in workplaces and all kinds of settings uh, around the world but I'm specifically talking about that one-on-one -on -one spiritual and life mentoring there are heaps of examples of this in scripture uh, you can think of Moses with Joshua and Jesus with his disciples and uh, Paul and Timothy and, and, and there's so many, Elijah, Elisha, etc. Um, and with those types of mentorships, we give those people access to key areas of our lives. Not all areas, but key areas of our lives to help grow our life and faith. The whole point of it is that we might grow in our lives and our faith. I don't actually believe that having a one-on-one -on -one mentor is biblically compulsory. I don't think you have to do it to be a Christian. Um, perhaps if you're, if you're a leader, there's kind of a, a subtle expectation that that is naturally occurring. Um, but it does have a huge value on your life. And I, I've known of many people that haven't been, you know, leaders in churches or, or, or kings or anything like that. Well, I know a lot of people that aren't kings. I don't know any kings. So that's all of you. Um, but in, when you look at the, in the Bible as well, there's people that don't have a position. They still might engage in, in mentoring and it's really beneficial for them. 
does have great value for your life. And, and I was one of those people where um, I don't think I had any title or anything at the time, but I was doing a Bible college thing about 10 years ago now um, where I had to go and get a mentor that wasn't someone perhaps that I'd already been mentored by, say, my pastor. Um, and so I just wanted to share with you my mentor selection process, which is very simple uh, for if you ever decide that you think a one-on-one -on -one mentoring uh, relationship might be something that, that is going to be beneficial for you, uh, because it certainly was for me. Um, before identifying a spiritual mentor, the first thing I did was consider what traits a godly mentor might have. And this led me back to scripture and figuring out, okay, what, what kind of person, you know, d seems to be someone in scripture that you, you would want to be mentored by, that you would, you would want to entrust those key areas of your life to and with. And in 1 Timothy and elsewhere, we read um, kind of the qualifications of the office of elder in the church. And, and for me, it was a good kind of guideline. I'm not saying you have to be mentored by an elder, but for me, they list basically just some good um, character qualities that I think can be really good for having in a one-on-one -on -one mentor. Someone who is above reproach, faithful to their spouse, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, uh, not given to drunkenness, uh, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, not a recent convert, not because there's anything wrong with recent converts but because of just the experience factor and must have a good repu reputation uh, with outsiders. So basically they're not a loose cannon. And really, uh, for many reasons, uh, but really what that does when you look at that list is it, it's, there's nothing in there that's like crazy, like they pray a thousand hours a day, they attend three church services a day, every day, um, you know, they've already shown, you know, decades of history of mentoring. There's nothing there that like is really full on, I think. It's really just who's someone of good character. And uh, really what this protects you from is someone that is a draw people to me kind of person. Um, because the whole point of one-on-one -on -one mentoring is that they might be drawing and leading you more towards Jesus, uh, not more towards themselves. So the personal rabbi thing, I make a bit of a joke out of that, but it can actually be really damaging if a mentor is just trying to make you their disciple um, in kind of almost in absence of you know, what Jesus might be wanting for that person's life. The whole point of a mentor, a one-on-one -on -one mentor in spiritual life, is that they might be leading you and guiding you and shepherding you more towards uh, God and, and, and his plan for your life. So step one was considered. Step two is pray, God, who will be the right fit for me? Who's actually going to work? Who's going to work not just with character but with, with chemistry as well because that's important. And, uh, and that might take a long time for that to outwork and for, for God to identify someone. And then once you have identified a person, uh, the final thing I did was talk. I talked to my then fiancé, now beautiful wife, about that, Kirsty, and she, I said, do you have any uh, gauge, you know, do you, th this is the person I, I was, you know, I feel like God might have highlighted to me. Do you have any sense about that? She, at the time, didn't. I also uh, went and asked my senior pastor because I felt like he knew that person. I didn't. I thought it was wise to go under his covering as well. And, uh, and he actually was like, yeah, I think that would be a great fit. So that kind of really confirmed it for me. Um, and this process led me to a mentoring relationship with a, a guy called Duncan Miller. And Duncan is one of the most understated, lovely human beings uh, on this earth. And... Uh, Outside of my parents, uh, Phil Tong, who was my pastor back in Ballarat, and maybe a couple of friends, Duncan has probably, since that moment, since I was about 20-ish, uh, had the greatest impact on my, my, my spiritual journey, my, um, uh, my God journey since that point. And mentoring was not something that I really thought was going to be that beneficial 
at the time and yet it has just been so beneficial and now almost a decade on uh, I still Duncan has still input in my life and I'll sometimes call him up and just be like hey be great to chat Um, he's had great impact on my Christian character and especially on my obedience to God in my calling he was one of the people who I was saying Duncan I will never preach hello wow (laughs) <laughs> get off the stage Nick was that was that God or was that you Pete no it was God that's scary well I did say to Duncan I said Duncan I am never going to preach I hate public speaking I'm not doing that in front of people I'm not I don't want to be a pastor I don't want to do anything and Duncan just you know was so beautiful in that process of just being like come on and sometimes that's all that you need I remember him saying to me Nico uncomfortable is necessary and that has stuck with me I'm like shut up Duncan every time there's like a little opportunity for me to get outside my comfort zone into what I feel God might be wanting me to do uh, including you know coming here to Port Life uh, three years ago um, it's always been that little voice in the back of my head that God has used Nico uncomfortable is necessary mentors can have great impact on your life and on your spiritual development uh, so being mentored by one and then finally mentorship type three being mentored Sorry, mentor to all. So we've got mentor by Jesus, mentor by one, and finally, mentor to all. And I've got a little graphic that we'll just put on screen, the next one, Danielle. And there's just some mentoring behaviors here. And I didn't make this, I just found this online and I thought it was apt because mentoring really involves things like training people, motivating people, giving advice, helping people succeed, giving direction, coaching, support, and goal setting. And the more I thought about mentoring, the more I realized that even if you're not an official mentor, every single one of us do mentor-like behaviors on a daily basis. Every single one of you. Daily, weekly, whenever, people are giving us access to various areas of their lives all the time. Every conversation, every interaction. And we are giving them the same types of access to ours. So who is it that I'm talking about, well, I'm talking about parents, friends, acquaintances, colleagues, siblings, bosses, neighbors, peers at uni or at school, your children, your grandkids, customers, clients, students, people we volunteer or attend alongside at church, nieces, nephews, cousins, managers, even pastors. Our influence goes in all kinds of different directions. And we are really engaging in these mentoring behaviors with whoever we are influencing. And these are just some of the people that we might be influencing, but you can influence up, down, sideways. It doesn't matter what direction the relationship is. Our influence travels. So all these relationships and people and more will be mentoring at times without being an official mentor. Maybe you might never be called an official mentor of anyone, and yet you are mentoring people throughout your life wherever you go because you are influencing them. You may not be a mentor, but you are mentoring. And this is really important because it means that your age, your experience, your ability, all those things don't necessarily matter for this particular one. You are going to influence people regardless of whether I say do it or not. You can't help it. You just do this because by you existing, you influence people. Every time you have, if there's any relationship you have, if there's any conversation you have, you're always influencing others. And so you are the thing that matters. You and what you choose to do with that influence really matters, whether you've got a mentor title or not. And so a great thing for us, each of us, to reflect on this morning is, who are you mentoring? And also, who is mentoring you? Or asked another way, who are you influencing? 
and who is influencing you. In terms of being influenced, the Bible is really clear that we should be really careful and guard our heart to all influence that exists out there. Be wise and don't compromise our faith. Like for people my age and under, social media influencers, they're literally called influencers because they exist to help kind of, they, they get popular, they get followers based on uh, having something that, that changes your behavior about things or changes your thinking about things. That's why they're influencers. They're influencing you. They're influencing us. But not all their influence, in fact, very little of it is actually very helpful. Uh, maybe except for on things like exercise or I don't know. Who'd want that anyway? But influencers, uh, that's why they exist. And so we need to be really careful, guard our hearts to the influence of others. That doesn't mean we're going, oh, I don't know if I want you to influence me and being really weird about it, but just guarding your heart. What truths are you taking in when you're being influenced by others? And do they line up with the truths that God has for you and his kingdom? Be wise, don't compromise your faith. And, but when you are influencing others, whether it's spiritual or not, for example, you might be at work, you might be at home, you might be wherever you find yourself, you are influencing others all the time, as I've stressed. Uh, there is a biblical way we can go about this. Again, whether it's spiritual, overtly spiritual or not, in the way that we conduct ourselves. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Encourage one another and build each other up. Encourage one another and build each other up. That, word, that Greek word build up means helping them to stand, to be strong and to be sturdy. Is that what we do to people in our influence? Is our influence helping people stand, be strong and be sturdy, even in just subtle ways, even in momentary conversations? And Hebrews 10, 24, motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. What a great scripture. Motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. And a great question, again, that we can ask ourselves, is the result of my influence that people are motivated to love and good works? Or are they motivated to gossip? Are they motivated to hatred? Are they motivated to division? Are they, what, what are people being motivated to by your influence? As momentary or as long as it may be. And, and these relationships are on, a, the, the influence we have over people is on a sliding scale with relationship. Of course, the deeper the relationship, the more influence there will be. But that is not to say that what we do in the momentary conversation or the, the small relationship doesn't matter. It all matters. We can give it all and do all as unto the Lord. The positive impact of your influence in people's lives and on communities that you go into will be a witness to your faith in Jesus. Because ultimately it's his influence, his mentoring relationship with you that is there impacting them. So it's kind of Jesus being channeled through you to other people in other environments. You can see life brought to dead workplaces transformation brought into tough homes it is possible not because of you and how awesome you are although that's a factor uh, but because of Jesus and his life within you and the life that he wants to bring from you and through you to others and to communities to places and spaces that really need him and his light and I just had a little special application point this morning that I wanted to mention because it's something that I'm passionate about too, is uh, I really feel like a great outworking of Hebrews 10.24 and 1 Thessalonians 5.11 that, um, that I've just shared is uh, life groups. I've got a picture on screen here. Um, these are some beautiful people called Dale and Sandy, and that's Nick, Kirsty, and Evie, in case you didn't know. Again, great joke. They're just coming out this morning. So Dale and Sandy... So again, about 10 years ago, our church in Ballarat, they did a, a, a life group push. They called them connect groups and they were encouraging people to sign up to connect groups and all this stuff. And we decided uh, to do something a little bit different. And we, as a young engaged couple, joined a life group full of boomers. And it was awesome. 
It was like the best thing I reckon we've done. Uh, they were, they were uh, all significantly older than us, but over kind of, I think, the two initial years that we were in uh, their, their life group, and Dale and Sandy led the life group, um, we uh, really, they, they just, they mentored us and we all mentored each other and, and just because of the influence that was there and, and, and we, we loved each other, we motivated one another to love and good works. It was just a really beautiful picture of, of what the Bible requires of us as everyday individuals. No one in that room was a pastor or, you know, uh, sure, certain people had leadership titles or whatever, but when we were in that room together in that life group, we were just people. Uh, you know, Dale's a mechanic, uh, I was mowing lawns or something, I don't know what I was doing but we were all just there together and I really feel like life groups are just a really beautiful picture of what God can do uh, in a church community um, because I feel that churches commonly grow in depth not off the back of their Sunday professionalism uh, but on the strength of their their small groups and those secondary connections uh, that we have in those smaller spaces life groups are also a super effective uh, vehicle for personal discipleship as well they really bring about growth uh, and I love them because at the end of the day on a Sunday I can have a short conversation with you I can shake your hand we can kind of get into life a little bit but uh, it, it's difficult and especially with all the sickness and things going on this year it is challenging to to have uh, really deep connections uh, on a Sunday morning uh, though we try but then in those groups those life groups and those secondary connections that we have at this church of which there are many uh, opportunities for that um, that's where you really get to look each other in the eye and you really get to see and travel through life together and, and really uh, iron sharpening iron. Sometimes we disagree on things. Sometimes uh, life groups can be awkward. Sometimes you ask a question and no one answers it. And it, there's all those things happen within life groups, but they are a really beautiful time of being able to grow together and put God's word into practice. Um, so if you're keen to have a go, if you're keen to jump into a life group or, or join, have some kind of secondary connection here at Port Life, we would love that. Um, we, we would love to start some new groups. I know Pastor Pete mentioned this to me through the week. So um, if you would be interested in joining a life group, uh, just head to the help desk straight after the service and, and just put your name down there and we'd love to help you out with that. So I'm just going to invite the band to come and uh, I just want to do a quick recap of what I've said today which is that mentoring relationships are really important and there's, I see, three of them uh, in Scripture. It's not just the old one-on-one, -on -one, but there's more. Firstly, we are mentored as Christians. We need to be mentored by Jesus because He died for us taking our sin upon Himself so we are no longer sinners. Instead, we have been given new identities. We are children of God. We are righteous. We are loved. And from that place, God... I guess, requires or, or asks us to live out this transformed life. That transformed life, going from a sinner to all of a sudden imitating the perfect God and living out the perfect life like Jesus, that is only possible through the ongoing care of men and mentorship of Jesus. We can't do it any other way. We can't do it in our own strength. And that's only possible by giving Him access all areas to our lives. Jesus mentors us through the Word and the Spirit and that's why Bible and prayer, though they might seem a little cliche for a sermon, um, is really important. Spending time, 10 minutes with Jesus per day can be transformational in our lives. The Spirit works through us as we engage with God, as we engage with His Word, as we engage with Him in prayer. The Spirit works through us to become more like Jesus, giving us the desire and the power to actually do His work in this world and be like Him. Then we can be mentored by one as well. 
most obvious type of mentoring we think of. We give those people access to key areas of our lives and the steps for selecting a godly mentor can be consider someone with a godly character, pray who will be the right fit for me, God, and talk to uh, someone reliable, maybe your your spouse or pastor about the insight they might have uh, as to whether that would be a good fit. And then finally, and importantly, vitally, the one that you are going to put into action as soon as you walk out those doors today is being a mentor to all. We engage in and with mentoring behaviours daily. We give them out, we receive them. We do this with all kinds of people and relationships at church, at home, um, in our workplaces, in the communities, when we go into shops, it doesn't matter where. And we give people access to various areas of our lives constantly. When we're influenced by others, we need to be careful. We need to guard our heart, be wise, don't compromise, make sure we're listening to the right voices, uh, measuring them by scripture. But when we're influencing others, there's a biblical way we can conduct ourselves as well. Some, some things that we can have in mind to always be doing, which is to build others up, help them be strong, bless them wherever you go and, and also motivate others towards love and good works. And we can ask the question, is my influence seeing these behaviours occur in the communities and the places that I'm involved in? And finally, of course, I really believe in life groups. I think they're awesome. So jump into those if you can. If you're new to church this morning, you've never been before, the predominant influence you see here, hopefully, is the influence of Jesus. The influence of Jesus in the lives of a whole bunch of people who come here literally to worship Him and experience Him together and to do His will. Uh, That's why we're here. We love Jesus. We think He's amazing. And so if you've never had that moment where you've, um, I guess, gone, you know, I want that for me as well and maybe this morning that's been that for you you've you've gone I've heard about my sin I've heard about you know all the rebellion and all that stuff and from communion and the sermon and I actually want to live that transformed life I want to accept the gift of salvation that's available through Jesus I want to accept what he did for me on the cross I know that he lived and he died and he rose again for me. If you want to accept that this morning, if you are doing that for the very first time, we'd love to have a conversation with you and you can just come out. I'm happy to pray with you or some of the pastors and elders would love to talk with you. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.